Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is why your shipment is late with my friend, Ayala Radoy. How's it going, Ayala? It's going good, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being on my podcast. This is a very interesting topic we're going to talk about. And uh, by the way, I know I probably screwed up your name. So we practiced like 10 times. I've met you a few times when we talk. Every time I keep thinking, am I going to screw that up? So please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Sure. So my name is Ayala Rudoi. This is the, the English pronunciation version. So you, you did just <laughs> fine. I'm the, the VP and GM of our logistics and transportation business unit within Tomorrow IO. The company is actually headquartered in Boston. I'm based out of Israel, even though the entire team is um, out of the US, mostly out of Boston, but not only. And Tomorrow IO is a climate security and weather intelligence solution. And we help companies to mitigate the impact weather has on their business, help them to become more proactive about their business and making sure they're also ready for extreme weather events that are becoming more and more volatile. Yeah. So well, you said a mouthful there. So Tomorrow IO is the name of the company. And you said you're, and you do what you said, weather and climate Say that one more time, what you guys... Yeah, so it's weather intelligence. We're not a weather company, like you'd think, the traditional weather company, even though we do run models and have a very big team of scientists. So weather intelligence is basically helping companies to translate the impact of weather and anticipate that in advance. And the second one was climate security, which is like, it's the new cybersecurity, if you may, right? Because we, we all saw what happened... In the last year, the year before, in Texas, in the Suez Canal, you know, there are many, many cases that we can mention, but it, it has become very volatile weather, and you want to make sure you have, every company want to make sure they have system in place to not be caught off guard, like with cyber. Yes, and, you know, when you guys first reached out to me and we talked a while ago, I was thinking, why am I talking to a weather company? Like, you know, I'm, I'm in logistics and transportation. And of course, I know weather does impact things. But then when I started talking to you and Britt last week or the week before, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is a much bigger impact. And it's something that we really don't plan for usually. I mean, we kind of plan for it, but it's not like not like we plan for other things. And it's our job in the transportation logistics business to constantly find ways to do things faster, better, cheaper, safer too, right? And that means if we have access to good weather information, we should use it. And I, and I I think you said something when we we're prepping, maybe Britt said it, your uh, coworker, is the weather is more volatile here in the United States than anywhere else. But that volatility is uh, significant enough that you said, what, up to 25% of Shipments are are impacted by weather. Yeah, that that's true. It's it's pretty crazy. That's pretty. Yeah, crazy. yeah, it is crazy. Uh, we'll we'll get more into that in just a minute. But tell us a, a little bit. You you said you're in Tel Aviv, right? I I am. Yeah. And am 
and for anyone listening to my podcast, you're going to say, God, Joe, why so many people from Tel Aviv? It's because it's where tech is done these days. It's wonderful tech center. And for somebody said the other day on my podcast, it's not just Tel Aviv anymore. It's Israel is a huge tech center. So tell us a little bit about your country and tell us a little bit about your career. Uh, well, where'd you grow up? Did you grow up over in Israel? And then give us some career highlights before you joined Tomorrow I.O. Sure. Around the comment about we are being, you know, a startup nation, we, we don't have any natural resources. So that that's, we're kind of utilizing our brain because that's what we have. It worked out pretty well until now. So it's almost like the national business at this point, getting a lot of government support as well, trying to move more and more people into tech, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. I was born in, and raised here in Israel around in a suburb of Tel Aviv. So just 15 minutes out of Tel Aviv. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Where'd you, where'd you go to school? What were you like as a kid? I used to be a gymnast, dreaming. Oh, that's to intense. Be, <laughs> yeah, dreaming to be Simone Biles. She wasn't born yet, but uh, I, I wasn't really good at it. But I think I became like... It's the discipline. See, so the many, discipline, exactly. So many people on my podcast, I always ask, did you play sports as a kid? Did you have part-time jobs? Because I always say, when you learn to play sports, you learn to win, you lose, learn to lose, hopefully not very much. But uh, you also learn to grind and be part of a team. And I exactly. think that's invaluable. I, I say, I, I think I learned as much on the fields and on the courts and on the rinks as I did at school. Maybe I wasn't a good student. <laughs> yeah, 100%. The discipline and the competitiveness on one hand and being part of a team is definitely, I think, the benefits of it. I didn't I didn't end up with any, you know, significant achievements. That's all right. That, but, Prepared um, you just the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So where'd you go to school? I went to, to school in my hometown next to Tel Aviv. We don't have like a, you know a private school system here in Israel. So everyone just go to their local place. I meant, I meant where'd you go to university? Yeah. And then I went to the Tel Aviv University, which I'd like to say it's like the uh, Stanford of Israel, if, if you want an equivalent, even though we do not have a private university system, we just have one now. But uh, I actually went in, in, into a law degree. So I have, um, I'm actually a certified lawyer in Israel. So oh, this wow. Is, yeah, but before that, if you talk to people from Israel, you know, military service is mandatory. So I actually started in the flight academy and the Air Force, spent there like six months and then went and, and I was an operation officer in a squadron. Yeah, you know, I worked for a company out in Silicon Valley years ago, and I remember they moved all of our technical staff to Israel, to Tel Aviv. And I remember our, our my 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 the vice president I answered to and the CEO were both from Israel. So I remember them saying one of the reasons Israel is so good at tech is because they because of the military. They said that you really kind of get slotted and you get lots of responsibility early. And they say they identify people who are technical really quickly and then develop them. And and by the way, I feel like I think the US is number one in engineers per capita, which is an important thing. Israel's number two. But one of the things we always can do here is people immigrate here. So we're not developing enough here. And it's funny because so many people here are like, oh, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. No, it's just taught poorly. <laughs> I mean, let's face facts. <laughs> so anyway, where'd you go after the military? So after, the, after almost three years service, I went to the Tel Aviv University to, to major in law. 
And from there I went and did, there's a one year mandatory internship to get licensed before you take the bar exam. So I did that in litigation. And I, I went into law because when I grew up, my favorite thing to do was watch Law & Order with my dad. Oh, there me too. <laughs> and, and there aren't any equivalents. There weren't back then. And I think there, there still aren't in Hebrew, like in the Israeli TV. And there's a reason for it because the law system in Israel is very boring. We don't have jury or anything similar. It's a lot of paperwork and you rarely get to meet and talk to people. So only when I got to my internship, I discovered that it might not be the best fit for me. I'm a, I'm a people's person. I love Law and Order, but I can't think it. By the end of the year, you're like, did Olivia shoot like six people this season? You're like, that seems like a lot of action. <laughs> like, I know most cops I know don't shoot anybody. <laughs> but love that show even today. So how'd you get into tech? When did you make that move? So right after the bar exam, I, I basically decided, you know, I, I need change. I, I want to go into business. I had my first child. So I, I took a few months while I was on maternity leave to kind of regroup. I accidentally got into tech. I didn't know that I wanted tech specifically, but this was like the role that I got as an international sales manager. I didn't even know I wanted to do sales, but I think once I started this, something kind of clicked for me. That, that this is where I need to be. I was enlightened by seeing tech. And actually, pretty soon after I quit my job, I thought, oh my God, this is great. I'm going to be a founder. I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> so after my first sales role, I just went out and, and started my own small company. I wanted to build a social network for moms. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I, it was nice. It was successful for a while. But I, I think I realized I'm, I'm more of a, B2B person, you know, methodical right. sales approach and not chasing users and such. And so I moved back into, into the SaaS business uh, after, after that. So when did you join Tomorrow IO and what, what drew you there? I mean, what, what did you see in the company? So I joined Tomorrow IO on November 19th. Oh, okay. So two and a half years ago. And I joined for, for several reasons. One, I always chose, even before, places that were impactful, that did good for society. I never wanted to just sell something just to make someone else rich. I always wanted to make a positive impact on the world. So listening to what tomorrow's vision is, I was hooked right away. So it was the mission and the impact of the company and also the founders. I knew the CEO from, from the Air Force Service. And he's really a leader and a visionary. All the founders are. So so are the Israelis who are from, are they in Boston? Are they in Israel or, or back and forth? So they're, they're mostly out of Boston. They actually went and did their MBAs in Harvard and MIT. And they started. Those are good schools, there. I hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. I, I'm telling everyone, but they say they don't, you know, they're not recognizable. Yeah, but so they went there and, and started a company in Boston. This is why it's headquartered there. They're all ex-Israeli founders, yes. Excellent, excellent. So when we were prepping for this, we talked about a topic, you know, why why your shipment is late. And when we were talking about it, it, it makes sense that, well, the shipment was late because when the truck went to pick it up, it wasn't ready. Or the truck wasn't available, so it wasn't able to pick up. Or there was some delay. And, you know, when we say delay, the trucker was delayed Sometimes we say weather, but I mean, it's, it's sort of brushed over. 
delay is a delay, right? Could be who knows why he got delayed. When we have major weather, like, you know, where there's a snowstorm in the Northeast or something along those lines, we talk about it a little more. But we haven't really quantified how much of this is weather related. And I think that's our job. If we're a trucking company, we want to do a better job at understanding the weather. And we can always watch, you know, go to, I can go on my phone and see what the weather is. It's just, it's not particularly geared towards trucking. It's geared towards where I'm at today, right? And or the closest city that has, you know, that capability. So weather is a big part of the problem. So it's not what we consider. So talk a little bit about the impact of weather on, well, we'll, we'll talk about trucking, but I know it applies to many industries beyond trucking. I mean, the, the whole supply chain, it could be boats or anything else, but we'll talk mostly about what how it impacts trucking. So what is the first problem that people run into because of weather? So I, I think it's really the delays that are due to weather. We, we see that 25% out of all delays in general are related to weather. And the cost attached to it is three and a half billion dollars a year. And this is just for the delay itself. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this is even without taking everything around it, right? The, the fact you might lose a customer for being delayed, that the inventory might have been spoiled and many other uh, problems that this causes. So it's a pretty big number. Yeah. So I think a lot of times you hear like this industry is like eight, domestic transportation trucking is like $800 billion here in the US. So 10% or 1% of that would be eight, $8 billion. You just said about three and a half. So this is about a half a percent, which when you're talking $800 billion, half of a percent is a lot of money. And that's, that's just the direct, like where I can point that out, where that, that is very obvious was a, a, a weather delay. So yeah, that's huge. And it's not just, there's, there's a lot of tales to that. So it might be a traffic jam because it's raining. It might be snowing, could be low visibility where the driver says, I've had to pull over. Those, so if it's a huge snowstorm, I go, hey, didn't you see that huge snowstorm out in Colorado? But it, fog isn't come up. Like, you know, how do I know there's going to be fog there? It, the weather service is never going to say, lots of fog out west that's yeah. not going to come up. And so the traffic jam w- might be because of, Rain, snow, sleet, just ice, right? It could also be, you know, as I said, fog or low visibility. I'll tell you, driving around sometimes when the sun's particularly bright in the morning is difficult. So there's a ton of like these weather delays that we really can't, we don't quantify and we don't plan around them enough. I mean, we do, but it's not enough. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, it, even if there is no traffic jam, sometimes you would, drive in, you know, very early hours or late hours. And sometimes you would just, there's heavy rain or heavy snow or low visibility, and you would just have to drive a lot slower. Like right. 20%, you, the average is 20% slower when there's heavy rain or snow. So it can only last a few minutes, but still it has a major impact. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, we're all drivers. Also when you drive and you say, oh man, I, I was driving and then all of a sudden I got a low lying area and there was fog and it freaked me out. Now I'm slowing, I'm slowed down. And by the way, we all want the, us, I don't want drivers with those massive trucks to feel like I have to keep my foot on the gas. 
their job is to be safe. And I know the vast, vast majority are doing just that, So, which we want them to. So number one problem is the weather delay. So what's another problem that we're running into because of the weather? I don't know if it's that frequent, but it's the dollar price and the impact of it is so significant. I would say this would be number two, and it goes around safety. So 25% out of trucking accidents. And by the way, the entire accidents are due to weather. So one out of five percent it's crazy. Yeah. We have a lot of 25% this in, in today's call, but that's just reality. Nobody's, I've done a lot of podcasts. Nobody has quantified any of this in the past. And, and and we all know it's there. It's just, we're not, we're, we're just, I think this is, a, you know, we, we've, one of the latest like killer apps is, is visibility and it's getting better and better and better. We're seeing dynamic pricing is coming in. We're seeing lots of automation coming in. We're able to check everybody's insurance. Things are getting better and better and better. And because we have more information, now we need AI to kind of do all the work for us because we can't even absorb all the information. But this is information that is on 25% of the shipments to have some sort of weather-related problem. So safety and accidents, obviously that's a massive concern for all of us. Yeah, it's it's actually from a dollar price other than the human life that is even more important. It's between two and you know, between two and three and a half billion dollars cost related for accidents just for trucking. And this is without taking into account, you know the injuries and fatalities and everything else. So like overall, there was a study made a while ago. So I'm guessing now the, the number, it was almost 10 years ago in, in, in 2014. And it was assessed that just from accident, if you take everything around, it's over $110 billion in losses. And this was when weather was still predictable, not like now when it's, it became extremely volatile. So you can expect more accidents, actually. And I think for what you said, it's true. Weather has been considered as like something we, we deal with and that there's no solution. So not quantified, not planned around. We're, we're, we're somewhat reactive about it. The reason we're reactive about it is because we don't have tools. And we'll talk about how you guys are giving us tools in a minute. But we didn't talk about when we were prepping. But since you're an attorney, I can mention this. I've had people on my podcast talking about nuclear verdicts and anybody in trucking here knows about those nuclear verdicts. If 25% of accidents are related to that, that speaks also probably, I suspect a lot of the nuclear verdicts are related to weather also. And those nuclear verdicts, I mean, it has a chilling effect on trucking because it drives everybody's insurance up higher. And I think if you can point out that, hey, look, we we are doing a better job around weather and we can start to reduce those traffic accidents, you're going to lower your own insurance. So you mentioned the $110 billion. This is, again, $800 billion industry. So that is a massive chunk. I mean, what is that? Uh, more than 10%, 12%, right? Throw that in with the weather delays. It's it's starting to be a very big chunk that you're describing. And, and again, when we're talking about it with just money, if you're talking about lives of the drivers and accidents, and then uh, obviously other passenger drivers, it gives the whole industry a bad name, right? And a lot of those accidents are not necessarily the trucker's fault. It's just, they're the trucking company and they're seven states away and they're the one, you know, and then the injured person or the killed person is local. And those nuclear verdicts are crazy sometimes. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. 
anyway, so we talked about weather delays. We talked about safety and accidents. What's another impact of weather and that's that's uh, that we need to concern ourselves with? So I think you touched that right briefly, but if you look at it, one of the reasons this keeps being an issue for many companies and that they are, you know, that they are impacted by weather, but not doing a lot is because it's really hard to plan around weather. If you have 500 trucks, or even if you have 20 trucks going every single day and they're, they're going, you know, long holes or even medium what would you do? Would you track, would you start looking at websites for the weather at every single point and every single time along the route? It's just not not doable, right? So if you don't have a solution in place, and, and so it's very hard to plan. If you know that an area is going to have a snowstorm, like you mentioned, you're just going to you know either cancel everything or delay it. But you don't you wouldn't have visibility into maybe some of the routes can actually complete their mission before the snow starts or maybe i can or when when do i want to start the routes again even if they were delayed you're kind of waiting to see when the snow is going to be removed and then you need to book everything last minute instead of plan you know ahead of time and when you book everything last minute if you're a trucking company you're enjoying the fact that the pricing are surging because no one is planning around it and now everyone are booking at the same time but if you're a shipper or a 3pl you're gonna experience a lot of pain you're gonna have a lot of customers that are not happy and you're just gonna pay a much higher price by being very reactive so i think the main problem is just it's very hard to plan around weather if you don't have any system in place yeah exactly and you know I know we're going to do this. I know we're going to start making plans around the weather, but it just seems to me that if if I can know the weather a little better and I can say, look, we ship out on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, or Thursdays, really depending on the weather this time of year. So maybe if you're in the Midwest and you say in January, February, March, and April, we know the weather impact is this. And we're going to be a little more flexible with ourselves on shipping. Now, granted, you have to, the whole supply chain has to adjust to this. And obviously your customers have to adjust to this. But if it became, uh, if you could start to quantify and say, the reason we're doing it this way is because it's going to save lives. It's going to save money. It's going to save hassle. And our overall, the, the, the whole supply chain is going to benefit. Yeah, that makes sense. But if you can't quantify it, if I just said, Hey, I'm going to start uh, shipping when the weather's good. You're like, yeah, ship when you're supposed to, idiot, <laughs> right? So we have to be able to quantify it. We have to be have something that you can give to the boss, to the customer and say, here's what we're thinking and here's why we're thinking it. Here's the impact. Exactly. And you don't even need to do like these months, right? Because weather has become very volatile. If you have a good system in place, you can predict this on a route level, on an hourly or even minutely level ahead of time, a few days in advance. So you can actually use it as a competitive advantage and tell everyone you work with, whether it's being employees, your manager, your customer, that they should know that we now have a system in place that would take that would allow us to be proactive about the weather. And so we'll let you know in advance about delays instead of letting you know just last minute that it happened. So we cannot change the weather, but at least we can control how our business is being impacted by that. Right. When we were uh, prepping for this the other day, I mentioned, I just talked to uh, the CEO, one of the founders of Kodiak, who's doing the autonomous driving. 
and they they're doing autonomous driving between Dallas and Houston, and they're having a lot of success. They've got over a million miles. They still have a driver in the seat, and you know, I asked how are you how are you doing the autonomous driving? It's like a vision vision system, so it is looking at the road. It is looking at all the markers. There isn't much weather between Dallas and Houston. It's not like Chicago. It's not like you know the Midwest where there's snow. Now, although they do get a little snow, but there's traffic traffic construct or road construction that screws them up. I think it's 800, 800 miles between the. Somebody's going to probably correct me, but um. Anyway, the reason they're doing it between Dallas and Houston is because if it snows or rains, the markers are all different. If and and I imagine I don't know this. I imagine even if it's really windy, I could see like if they were looking at uh, trees or bushes or anything like that was vision systems, it would look different. And so weather is going to be significantly more important as we get to autonomous. Yeah, it's it's true. And so right now they're driving there because they they don't want to you know they they, they don't, don't want to play in the weather to identify in advance like. Tomorrow and the day after, it's not good conditions for us to drive. But even if there is a driver in the seat, and we have customers from the autonomous trucking com- you know, companies and a lot of automotive companies like Ford and Porsche and others that I, I wish I could mention. But even when there is a driver, the difference between all of a sudden something doesn't work where you feel very comfortable and the autonomous driving is working really well, the difference between being reactive to the weather and understanding that the car may have lost some control. Right. As opposed to alerting in advance in five miles, you can expect severe weather. And again, with the current systems, which are very much regional and hourly or daily, it's not possible to alert a driver or you can alert him, but you know, 90% of the time it's not going to be correct and he's going to lose confidence. So if you alert him and you create the situational awareness within the driver and you can alert about something that happens literally in a one kilometer resolution box, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, the Suez Canal, what happened there, it was just like a wind gust that is very... Oh, yeah. Is, is that why that, t- yes. that ship got stuck there? And And that's important because it wasn't just a severe weather event. People used to, you know, you and I, we, you said at the beginning, you thought like, what do I care about the weather? It's the extreme weather events. We all know about them. There's a real issue about understanding how it's going to impact my business. Like we we saw with Ida, everyone knew it was coming, but no one realized what it means actually. What, this what weather Ida means. was a hurricane? Yeah, Hurricane Ida that caused all these floodings in New York and Manhattan mainly, but not only. Yeah, it didn't it didn't hit the Midwest, so I didn't pay attention. <laughs> right, the Texas. Those are, those are twelve hours away. <laughs> the Texas power outage. If you re- hopefully you remember that one. Yes, yes, I remember here. that. It wasn't a surprise to anyone that a storm was coming, but I don't think like you know the electricity company. I don't want to mention any names, but they they didn't understand the impact on their business. Uh, so it's, they won't go out of business unlike the rest of us. So, well, their CEO went home because of it. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's these major events, but also these tiny events like the Suez Canal. So to identify this, you know, like you mentioned, low and visibility. It costs billions of dollars. Yes, exactly. It can be a day to day thing that you need to monitor to avoid these situation. It's not just the extreme weather events that are impactful. Right. Right. So, we talked about weather delays, traffic jams, again, that being $3.5 billion. We talked about safety and accidents being 
upwards of a hundred billion dollars. And and they talked about this very hard to plan around. I mean, we know weather. I mean, that's not new. And we have weather forecasts, but it's just it's different than saying it's snowing where I'm at. But I don't know where my, the the driver that's picking up four states away and delivering to other another state. That's not my problem. I don't know. I, we we try to do it, but I think it's very anecdotal and it's very manual, and that's a problem. So, what's the next thing that weather impacts and and how it impacts us? So, I, I think the next thing would be inventory damages or spoilage. And so, you can imagine there are so many products. Most of the shipments are not using reefers because it doesn't make sense financially, and then. They are sensitive to the weather. So it can be, you know, a soda and it can be paint and it can be plants. It can be anything you think of. Almost everything is very sensitive to either humidity or temperature. And yes. so it's actually not a delay, right? But so a shipment can get on time only to realize that it was a complete waste of these miles, right? Because the inventory was spoiled. Yep. I drink, I drink a lot of Diet Coke and I know it's not exactly a health drink, but I love it. And, um, Diet Coke in the summer, if it's gets warm, it, it gets this very chemical taste. I mean, ridiculously bad. And it used to be 20 years ago, a real problem. And I would send them emails saying, and I complain, uh, at Coke, but I, th- I think the challenge they ran into is they were shipping it and it's not shipped cold. It's shipped and drive in and then it can get overheated at different times. And I think also sometimes you see like a gas station will have it sitting in the sun, uh, you know, a whole bunch of diet Coke. So that's a challenge. But um, when we were prepping, I mentioned running into an issue a few years ago with a, a client company where they thought their this metal products were getting rust and then even mold on it because of the humidity in this region. And we couldn't figure it out. And then eventually we found there were some leaky trailers, but we were, we were like racking our brains because we were dr- driving something, you know, from way down in Mexico to the Northeast and finding out that, Oh my God, this gets rust on it. Millions and millions of dollars worth of damage over time and customer satisfaction problems. And then mold, we can't have mold on stuff. And so we didn't know how to, da- we didn't know how to quantify it. So we're putting, you can put those things in that take moisture out of the air. I forgot what they call them, but little bags that take moisture out of the air. But again, not not able to quantify that it was going through a weather event. We didn't know. And when it was going from, let's just say, seven days of, of truck traffic or tra- seven days of, of driving, who knows where those problems happen? Exactly. And if I could show like, hey, this is where it happened in this region right here where it was 95 degrees and humid. That might have been it. It wasn't here where it was 75, right? Yeah. And and so, you know, on one hand, you could identify that, but then you could have have like planned around it. Be preventive, right? You you know, your inventory is sensitive to certain weather parameters. Let's make sure we monitor everywhere it goes. And we alert you in advance that these conditions are going to happen. And it doesn't necessarily like the recipient in this for this alert, he wouldn't know what like humidity over something means or wind, like 40 miles per hour wind. You don't know what, it, you don't want people right. to start being meteorologists. 
So we would literally, you know, help you to translate that into business impact. All, all you care about is like, I, I always try to explain to, you know, my kids what I do. I say, you know how you look at the weather to decide what to wear tomorrow or if it impacts your plan? What if you could just open an app and see what to wear tomorrow and how it impacts? Because no one really care, you know, about the specifics of the weather. Well, some people care, but mostly you care how it impacts. So being proactive about it. And you also mentioned the customer satisfaction, right? That's a key. That's a key. Oh, thing. yeah. Delivering delivering brand new sheet metal that has rust on it. They just get, they just said, get this out of here. I'm not accepting this. It's a, tr- a shipment that moved seven, seven days. And then I got to say, no, thanks. I don't want this. It's horrible. And these are million dollars, million dollar systems. So, so we talked about weather delays, which, you know, again, $3.5 billion, safety and accidents up upwards of a hundred billion dollars. Again, this very hard to plan. That's a number three. Number four, we talked about inventory damage. What's another challenge you guys uh, help cut? companies solve so I, I think we just talked about right everything around service failure and customer yeah. experience and i i think everyone know that like the number one thing in this industry is get on time right yes on time and in full <laughs> that, that's the slow right this is what we believe in and and this is the mission almost so the ability so one we talked about the spoiled inventory even if you get on time and the inventory is full, you almost, maybe you should have been delayed with a good inventory. Right. And also like what a waste of, you know, of I'm, I'm calling it wasted miles, but what a waste of fuel and driver time and everything. And an unhappy customer at the end, you need to do it all over again. But also being able to communicate in advance about delays is key. So let's say you bought a car online or you bought a Christmas present and to learn the day off, or you're a, you're a you know you're a store waiting for an inventory delivery, and I you have all these people yeah. here. Yeah, you can be a factory, and you have all all of your employees are staffed to accommodate the delivery, and then learn last minute that it was delayed. If you if you were able to know about it one two three days in advance, as opposed to kind of that day. You could have planned your staff around it. You could have moved schedules. You could have done a lot of things to optimize your resources. But more more importantly, you would have gotten a happy customer at the end, not a one that is pretty upset, even though you don't control the weather. He didn't get his things on time. Yeah, they don't. That's that. That is why they hired you is to figure out those problems. And you know, I remember when I was still at a third party logistics company. We had one customer that would sometimes need certain chemicals shipped and it would go from the Midwest down to the South and it couldn't get above a certain temperature inside the dry van. And they didn't want to ever pay for reefer, but they would if they had to. So they would always say, should we pay for a reefer on this one? And we were like, uh, and we would be honestly going online and just going, what's the weather in Ohio next week? Well, it's in in the Midwest, like this time of year, it could be 25 degrees or it could be 55 degrees or it could be 65 degrees. So you have sometimes big variations in the weather and you go, okay, so Michigan could be 25 to 65. Ohio could be, you know, let's say 30 to 30 to 65, Kentucky. I have to kind of guess. And then I have to wonder what weather the wet weather is coming from the 
the West, I think normally where it comes from. What's it doing in Chicago this week? Because I need to know what's happening in Chicago because it's going to be a weather tomorrow. That's too much to ask a guy who's already busy trying to book loads. Exactly. So we got to make, we got to take that decision and go, here's the recommendation. And it's also other than the waste of time, right? You said there are so much variations. When you look at, you know, those free websites, what you get is very regional. So it might not even be relevant to the, lo- to the specific location where the truck is. So you wasted all this time. You said, don't take a reefer. And at the end, he would get his spoiled inventory and, and will be very upset. You know, it, in the past, and, and the, you had freight brokers who would say, I can get you a truck. And the shipper would be like, fantastic. You can get me a truck. I love you because you get me a truck. And then it became, well, let's make sure that driver and that truck is safe. Let's make sure that they meet all, they have all their authorities, right? And so that, okay, so that was like a great thing you could do for them. And then it became, make sure he has his hours available. Make sure that, the, you know, if it's the food safety modernization is part of it, make sure if the tarping's part of it. The job has gotten more and more complex. And now as we talk about automating stuff, part of the reason we need to automate is because we're putting a human in the middle as like a, a an API, that's what the humans are basically becoming human APIs, is I, I take information from six different in, inputs and then I make a decision. Well, I don't want to have to get somebody who just started to say, well, you make the call on the weather. That's not right. I want to, I want to be able to quantify. One, one other thing we didn't talk about, and it's super important in these days, is Driver satisfaction and driver hours. You know, drivers, we have this huge shortage and we can't waste their hours. And weather has a way of wasting their hours and makes them quit. <laughs> it's it's true because there are so many ways in which weather impacts their, their day-to-day and their, you know, happiness from where they work at. So it can be the fact that they were sent into a, an, you know, what we would call an unsafe route. And it might be, you know, that it's achievable to finish the route in a safe way. But just the notion of not telling the driver in advance that he might run into, into weather along the way makes makes him feel like the company doesn't care and kind of lets him deal with it. We see a lot of companies that we talked with in the past, what they did is they would, during winter, they would tarp every single flatbed. Because they said, we don't have any other way. We don't, we don't know if, if there's rain along the way. We have no way of monitoring this. Well, the weather wasn't predictable enough for us to, first off, we're not weather people. And secondly, we're just better safe than sorry. If that's a million dollar machine that I'm that I have to deliver, I don't want to say, oh, sorry, I got it wet. We just took a chance on the weather. I can't. For that, 100%. But... Some of the flatbeds have, you know, construction equipment. It's not a $1 million equipment. Well, and maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. But but we're all trying to make those decisions. And maybe if you could get to the place where you say, we're only going to tarp when the weather tells us we need to. Maybe you save tarping on, I'll just make this up, 25%, 30%. And that driver's life just became a lot easier. Loading became a lot easier. Everything in that in that uh, supply chain, just you just save time and money. Yeah. And by the way, tarping is a place where drivers potentially can get hurt. And same with dock workers, because you're climbing up on a on a truck, and it's it's not a precise business. Yeah, and you know, it's. I think you told me a, a couple of weeks ago that extreme wind can make it really. So sometimes, if you do need to tarp, 
Make yeah, the wind's blowing and, and it's cold. Exactly. You don't want to do it when wind is blowing. The human kite. <laughs> and some of the companies we talked with, they said it's one hour tarping out and one in. So, you know, even if we say 15% or 20, I, I think it might be higher, but it's 20% of like two hours out of each, out of these 20%. And these two hours can be allocated elsewhere. So imagine other than, you know, making the driver happier and making his life easier and just overall safer, you also gain so many hours that are extremely needed, right? We're always talking. I, I'm listening to your podcast all the time. How can we bring As more you drivers? should. <laughs> How can we bring more drivers? How can we make them happy? But maybe there's like hundreds or hundreds of thousands of hours sitting there for us to just take from somewhere where we're just wasting these hours on unnecessary activities. Well, what I would... What I would, I'm just thinking out loud here, what I would do is, you know, rather than say we're not going to tarp because on some loads, I would say, let's, uh, let's over the next hundred loads that we tarp, let's get a recommendation from tomorrow IO whether we needed to or not. And then go back and say, did it rain that day? And just be able to say, you know what? They told us that we didn't need to tarp 30 of these 100, but we did them all, but they were right. 29 times or whatever it was, or hopefully 30 times, <laughs> but that would be that that allows us to do our job better. It allows us to cut an hour of super big hassle out and potentially take money out of the, out of the, and, and by the way, that we're always looking for ways to take money out. And the way we currently take money out is, Hey, can I get you to lower what you're making? Can I get the driver to make less? Can I get you as the freight broker, or the 3PL to make less? But what we really need to do is take out unnecessary costs. I don't want the driver to make less. I don't want the broker to make less. I want us to do less things that we don't need to do. And if we don't need to tarp every single load, that's a that's a savings. Your point on. Yep. So tell us a little bit about tomorrow IO. I know we I'll summarize these in a minute, but tell us how you guys solve these problems of who you work with and how do you work and why are you and explain also. How are you just different than me going on my phone and looking at the, the weather app? Right. I'll try to summarize it. There's a lot to it. But on, on one end, we do a lot of science work. So all of our weather data that comes into the pipe is really, really granular, both in space and time. So we would provide you in you know data in very high resolutions. So I'll call that hyperlocal. <laughs> yeah, it's hyperlocal weather. And we actually most of the customers that are working with us, they're they're not working it with us because they want to get just raw weather data. That's not the reason we became a market leader in many verticals. It's actually because what we do with this data. So we we start with having the best data in the market, but then we really build the product that is fully customized and geared towards the, the transportation and logistics vertical. So it's actionable. So it's actionable. So we're actually, uh, you know, allowing companies to track every single route. And sometimes it's thousands of routes a day and sometimes even more. And we would give them the, you know, the visibility and the ability to be proactive in advance and identify any disruptions to any route for any weather conditions that might impact them. And we would literally translate the weather for them. And by that, I mean, you know, we talked about extreme winds, right? We all have seen these bad right. movies of trucks flipping because of, you know, crosswinds on bridges and such. We can identify this in advance, but you can imagine an empty truck 
or a full truck, or depending on what they, they have, they, they would have different wind thresholds. And no one on the dispatching side or the operations side would know that. We don't want them to try and figure it out. We automate all of that. So we would only highlight the things you need to be aware of at every single point along the route based on the times the trucks are expected to be on the route. So you don't need to spend time on, you know, going into website. You can identify all disruptions in advance. Just the fact that you're a route rather than a point. Exactly. Because so many of these are moving from like, again, you know, across five states. So I can check the weather in every one of those points. And it might, you know, really to do the right job, I would spend an hour saying, well, it looks like, uh, looks like there's a storm coming from the West and, uh, Hopefully that won't get here till tomorrow night. But if it gets there tomorrow afternoon, I'm in trouble. We're not weather people and we don't have that time. Yeah. So you're spot on, right? Because it's, like I said, it was built to accommodate the needs of the industry and to solve all the problems we talked about. We also have customers that are monitoring their hubs for anything from lightning to extreme winds to snow accumulation. Because again, you don't want people to go to the weather website every day. And also, again, the weather in the websites is very regional and you don't want every person to make their own decisions based on their gut feeling and what they think is right for the business. You want everyone to have the same playbook and the same, you want to take the decision out of them almost and decide on a corporate level, what are the thresholds and what are the things we want to do at every single point in time based on what's happening. So customers are, you know, they have different solutions from us to monitor and understand the hub or the, you know, the store or the dispatching center, distribution center, everything around that. And then they also have a solution for the routes. And I think the cool thing is, on one hand, they can start like this with a dashboard that already automates everything. And we do, you know, all the customization, upload all the routes, everything is automated. And they don't need to have a developer or wait for an integration. And, you know, this is a lot of heavy lifting that sometimes get pushed. They can get value right away on one hand, but we also have an API. So once they do want to automate it, or if they want to do it from day one, they can do the, you know, that as well. So both are an option. Sometimes customers have, they have automation for one part and they use the dashboard for other parts. So anything is possible. Right. Well, I think, I think what we're all used to now is it might start on a screen that it's a dashboard that I'm accessing. And then at some point, if I integrate, I mean, that's, that's what we do. And, and I'm assuming you become partners with a lot of the other systems like the TMS. So at some point I'll be able to say, if you're not already there, be able to plug that in just as soon as I get a, is it a subscription based? Yeah, it's a pure SaaS model. We really pride ourselves, but by our customer relations and how we we really cherish every customer and we're really having this partner approach and it goes to why I joined the company. We really just want to make people's lives easier, safer, just ease their day to day while helping them, you know, make more money on one hand, but also just like imagine all the problems we talked about, all these, you know, wasted miles, wasted inventory, all of this. If we prevent it, imagine how many emissions we save instantly. Right. And by the way, 
you mentioned the weather. Do you, where do you get the weather? Do you guys have, do you go, you have your own satellites or are you using other people's satellites? How does this all work? That's a great question. So we use both publicly available data and private data. And it's really the models, very sophisticated using AI models. We have a team of I stopped counting, but over 50 PhDs working just on improving the algorithm. (laughs) Their job every day is to improve our forecast. And we are launching our own satellites into space starting this summer. So we're really going to be able to cover the entire Earth in in the span of the next few years with radar coverage, which is currently just not available. So we're not going to compete with anyone. We're, We're basically revolutionizing this industry. The first contract that was in place for this, it's public, so it was with the U.S. Air Force, a $20 million deal just for... They have a few bucks to spend that here. Just to show how (laughs) valuable this data is going to be, really enabling everyone in the world to have better weather data. Yeah, and I got to tell you, we had here in Michigan where I'm at, they told us we're going to have this big storm, and I think they said we'd have seven or eight inches of snow, 10 inches of snow. I mean, it was seven to 10, depending where you lived, and and then it was like two inches. And, and by the way, that was like three, four days in a row. Get ready. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Batting down the hatches. You go to the grocery store. Everybody's buying as if they'll never get out of their house again. And it was like two or three inches, which is a kind of a non-event around here. And I, I was like, even our, we don't have a good handle on our weather. And I think also like if you look um, where I'm at, again, in Michigan, it impacts Chicago, Cleveland, all Minnesota, anything that goes around the Great Lakes, the weather is very unpredictable and it's difficult. And, you know, these are, this is, these are manufacturing hubs. So the fact that we can't even today get, it gotten better, but can't get great weather information is telling about where the industry is at. Anyway, what I'd like to do is I'm going to summarize, then I want to get your final thoughts. Um, so we talked about why shipments are are late. So I think mostly we talked, most of us would say, well, because the truck wasn't available or the shipper wasn't ready. We sometimes say traffic, we sometimes say weather, but we really don't quantify it. And what you guys are trying to do over at Tomorrow IO is quantify that. So some of the impacts that we are seeing from weather, and you guys are starting to put some numbers around, which I think is fascinating. So the weather delays, that could be the traffic jams, moving slower, even stopping for the you know for a few hours to get out of poor visibility or rain or snow. That's $3.5 billion, which again, one, one half of a percent of the industry spend. Safety and accidents, one in four accidents is weather related. Super hard for those of us who have to plan around it. If you're a trucking company or freight broker or shippers, just we can't plan around it because we don't have the right data. Inventory damage. Um, well, by the way, you said safety and accidents could be a hundred million dollar impact, which again, for an eight hundred billion dollar industry, that's humongous. Inventory damage. We don't quantify what the weather does to our inventory, but we know there is weather related inventory damage loss. And by the way, there's nothing more worse for the environment than moving freight that is just thrown out when it gets there. So talk about empty miles, even worse than an empty mile is a full mile that you threw stuff out when you got it there. The unpredictability of all this, the service failures, the customer experience is suffers. And last but not least, we talk about drivers and driver satisfaction, having to, you know, go through this. They're the ones who are on the road and they have to endure this. They're the ones who got on the road, picked up and then found themselves having to sit on the side of the road, not getting, you know, they're losing money 
on this. They're losing time with their family. No one wants to be sitting at a rest stop. No one wants to be a truck stop overnight. Also, this idea of tarping things and how we protect against weather. And we kind of just assume everything is. Every single load has to be tarped because we don't know what the weather's going to be. And we got better at predicting it. We're going to save a lot of money. So final thoughts. I, I think you summarized this wonderfully. You know, we, we, we love looking at this concept of all this, you know, a lot of wasted time, inventory, miles. We call it like the wasted miles, not the empty miles, the wasted miles problem. Yeah, the, the environmental impact is significant. The driver, the day-to-day of the, you know, of the driver's lives can be really significant. So, yeah, I, I don't have anything special to add. I, From a personal perspective, I'm really happy to be able to kind of bring this new solution to the world and help. And, you know, I, I see it in, in our current customers, how it literally changed their lives. So being able right. to oh, I can see that. Is, is really, really great. And, and I'm just excited about this overall. I think potentially people who are going to use this are going to use this competitive advantage. If you're a trucking company, if you're a 3PL, you're going to be able to say to somebody, are you impacted by the weather? And if they're in, you know, most of this, if they're in the Midwest or the Northeast, they're like, hell yes, we're impacted by it. <laughs> and if you can say, here's how we're going to help save some money for you. And here's how we're going to reduce risk and be more uh, proactive and less reactive. I think this is going to be a great selling point for companies that adopt it. Yeah. So let's wrap this bad boy up. Tell us a little bit about how we reach out to tomorrow. IO. How do and what do you guys got going on? You, are you attending some conferences? Yeah. So we're attending plenty. I think we have two events that are relevant to kind of, meet us or hear us. One is we're going to be at the FreightWaves, the Future of Supply Chain conference next month. We also have our own weather conference, weather intelligence conference called ClimaCon. So it's virtual. So you're more than well, right. sign up and listen. And you can you know reach us at logistics at tomorrow.io or just go to our website at tomorrow.io. And we, we're also starting this, you know, industry website which is called wastedmiles.com just to share information not necessarily about the weather about all these inefficiencies that can help if if we look more closely to them that can help the industry become better so we'd love to have some content in there from anyone that thinks he can help yeah it's it's interesting um i've done a lot of podcasts of like 260 some podcasts i think and we've n- I've never gone this deep into weather. I think it's one of those things we're always talking about the next killer app. Like visibility became something they joke about it. 50 people in a row wanted to come on my podcast and talk about visibility. And and that speaks to how important it was. But um, it got to be kind of weird because you're like, God, it's, it's just it's becoming a buzzword. But then dynamic pricing is becoming the same way where it's like there's the, the cutting edge in our industries using dynamic pricing. And now this, to me, is one of those next killer apps because, again, we're all looking in this business to save money for our customers, to improve service, to do all the things we just talked about. But I think we're also looking for that competitive advantage. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. I'll also put a link to, what do you call it, wastedmiles.com? Yeah, it can be either to our website or to the wastedmiles.com. I'll also put to your website. And then I think Britt said you guys have a new case 
study, or I don't know if it's a white paper, but I'll put a link to that. And um, so who is your sweet spot? Who do you guys currently, you know, who do you try to work with in this space? So really anyone from, we kind of split it, but we're, we're targeting trucking companies, intermodal companies, uh, 3PLs and retailers, and anyone that has a private fleet. Brokers too? Yeah. And the, and the e-commerce business. So you can think about all the, you know, all the companies that sell cars online and, and they are the ones that are bringing it to your home or any, you know, any fashion oh, yeah. company that you order online and they're in, and they have a fleet that would deliver this. And it can be, you know, anyone from Walmart target um, these retailers that we're targeting because they can really benefit from having like this in place. We didn't talk about the final mile, but every once in a while, like I remember years ago, probably two years ago, I bought a computer at Best Buy and then they delivered it to my house. <laughs> and, but I didn't get, they didn't ring the doorbell. They didn't say anything. So I just kind of walked by. I was like, oh, there's a very expensive laptop on my porch in a box. And I kept thinking it wasn't raining or snowing when they dropped it, but that's an expensive, first off, it could have been stolen, but it also could have been covered in snow or rain and i would have just taken it right back i so i think that 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 is an issue also is you know i don't want you to deliver my groceries and leave it in the rain or the snow and maybe you didn't leave it in the rain or snow but if it's happened an hour later you're on the hook yeah last mile is definitely also we have a few customers in the last mile space either they offer it's part of their service to offer, you know, next day delivery and they have their own last mile fleet or technology solutions or right. there are a lot of companies now that are offering this like next day delivery or last mile. Same day, next day. Yeah, exactly. So we have that as well. So anything from first mile, middle mile, last mile, it can be either the actual trucking company or a technology solutions that, that would bring, you know, everything that they needed to the industry. Well, Ayala, this is, uh, I hope I said your name right again. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much. Again, this is, this is kind of new business for me because I think again, when you first reached out and said, your people reached out and said, Hey, we'd like to talk about weather in your podcast. I was like, Oh, come on. Like, what are you talking about? But it really is so impactful. We just talked about the cost and the hassle and the risk and lives lost because of weather. And, you know, the weather to this day is still unpredictable and it's not geared towards us. It doesn't give us actionable. What we get is, Hey, it's nice in Michigan today. I hope it's nice in Idaho where I just shipped this. I need my route. (laughs) I don't need just where, where I'm at. So uh, this is great stuff. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated until next time onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.